Well, good morning. My name is Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors here. Awesome to have you with us. Hello to those of you joining us in our online campus and uh, microsite. Those of you in our parent viewing rooms, that's a great option if you have small children that you prefer to keep with you during the service. And uh, Happy New Year. We're jumping into 2022 with a frigid start and uh, just watching people's faces as they walked in this morning. Uh, some people are just like, man, this is, uh, this is a little chilly out there. And other people are walking in in t-shirts and shorts and just going, no worries. So Hakuna Matata to you guys wearing shorts, right? Uh, we're kicking off a new series today called uh, Vital Signs. And the reason for that is that um, every year during this time of the year is kind of when people think about their health. And they start thinking about uh, just, you know, this is my year where I'm going to get in shape, you know. Uh, people start thinking like, oh, I got like five months till swimsuit weather, you know. And uh, start thinking about physical health. Uh, and what's interesting is because of that, um, I was reading something this last week that said that people, even though they're concerned about their health, they avoid going to the doctor for regular routine checkups uh, because the number one reason that people avoid going to the doctor is because uh, they are afraid that the doctor might tell them bad news. Think about that. Isn't that fascinating? Like, I don't want to hear bad news from my doctor, so I'm just not going to go. I'm just going to avoid it. And I think that's kind of fascinating. Not that you're expecting bad news from your doctor, but if there was something unhealthy, wouldn't you want to know about it? Like, I would think you'd want to know. Like, the artery fairy is not going to come and unclog your arteries at night, and it doesn't really work that way. So it's important for us to know about our own well-being, to kind of do like our own kind of health assessment and kind of figure out where we're at uh, with our health. And the most basic way that they assess that when you go to the doctor, the quickest way to sort of assess your overall health physically is they check your vital signs. And there's four of them. Your vital signs are your, um, they listen to your breathing, they take your temperature, they take your pulse and your blood pressure. And so they check these four basic vital signs and they go, yeah, this person is generally in overall good health based on these vital signs, meaning like you're not going to die in the next five minutes based on these vital signs. Now, here's the deal. As important as it is to sort of uh, monitor our physical vital signs, it's infinitely more important to monitor our spiritual well-being, to figure out what are those spiritual vital signs, what are those things that we can sort of key in on where we know... uh, man, I can tell that I'm healthy spiritually. And so many people neglect this. Every physical body is headed towards the same fate. And so I think the far more important question to ask is, how am I doing spiritually? What's my spiritual health? What's my spiritual well-being? What's the state of my soul? What would God say about the trajectory of your life and your character? Those are really important questions. And so we're starting this series today to really dive into some of those things. And we're, we're going to look at some spiritual vital signs. We're going to look at the vital signs, not of your body, but of your soul and your spiritual life. And it turns out there's actually a, a sort of classic passage in the scriptures that gives us four spiritual vital signs. And we're going to walk through that together this morning. Uh, and the reason this matters so much is because sometimes our spiritual well-being isn't in a really good state. Sometimes our spiritual well-being is a little bit unhealthy, and we don't really want to know about it in the same way that, you know, I don't really want to know that I'm a little unhealthy because I really like greasy cheeseburgers. I don't really want to know, right, that my arteries are a little bit clogged because I really like greasy food. And and for some people, I don't really want to know what the spiritual vital signs are because I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at right now currently. And so I want to challenge you as we jump into 2022, uh, for those courageous enough 
I want to help you do sort of a self-assessment of your spiritual life and challenge you to begin to monitor some of these uh, spiritual vital signs as we head into 2022. By the way, you should also know this. The same article said that people often routinely lie to their doctor. Like, they, they drink more than they say they do. They exercise less than they say they do. They lie about their weight even though they know they're about to step onto a scale, which is fascinating, right? And so here, here's what I want to help you with. When you're assessing yourself around these uh, sort of spiritual vital signs, you need to know that this is just between you and God. Nobody else is going to be monitoring this for you. And here's the deal. He already knows. So you can lie to yourself or try to lie about it all you want to, and, but it's not like God's like, what? I had no idea. That's crazy. So as we go through some of these uh, spiritual vital signs, do a self-assessment and, and just be honest about it because... Uh, then you know where you can grow spiritually, where you can continue to move forward in your relationship with God. Now, before we jump into those, I think there's a few sort of caveats that we should clear up together and and walk through together because uh, there's some simple truths when it comes to just growing spiritually that are really important for us to understand. And if we don't understand these on the front end, our temptation will be to take sort of these vital signs that we're going to talk about and just operate them as a checklist of sorts and go, okay, check the box, check the box, check the box. Me and God are good. Let me get on with my life. And that's kind of the temptation. That's kind of human nature. And so it's important for us to understand a few things when it comes to spiritual growth. And the first one is this. Uh, Spiritual growth is a partnership. It's a partnership. See, spiritual growth begins when we're born into God's family, when we are born spiritually. This is language that Jesus used in John chapter 3. He's talking to a guy named Nicodemus, and he says, you're, you're born first of, of water, and then you're born of the Spirit. And basically what he's saying is, you were born physically, but there comes a time where you're actually born spiritually, where your spiritual life begins and you become a part of God's family. The Apostle Paul, who uh, is a guy who later on would uh, travel around and start churches, and then he'd write letters back to the churches to describe this is what it looks like to live out the way of Jesus. And often in in his letters, in the way that he writes, in one of the uh, letters that he writes, he says that basically uh, when you come to faith in Jesus, when you begin to follow Jesus and put your trust in him, that the old life is put to death and a new life begins. A, A brand new life is born which is why we celebrate water baptism the way that we celebrate water baptism here at Westbridge. It, it's why we, we go through that, uh, that practice of bringing people down under the water because the Apostle Paul says this is a, a way of saying the old life is dead and buried and then I'm resurrecting to this brand new life. And so that's why we do that and celebrate that. And there's this idea that at some point, though we are born physically, we are also born spiritually when we say yes to following Jesus. And then God's Holy Spirit starts to work in us. And the language that we use here at Westbridge to express that is that God accepts us as is. I don't have to change anything to come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, well, get get your life together and fix this and fix that, and then maybe you can be a part of the family. Jesus says, no, I've come to invite everybody, and I I want you to come as is. And and the minute that you come as is with all of your baggage and all of your mess, you become a part of God's family. But then from there, God loves us too much to leave us as is. So then from there, we start to grow and we start to become everything that God has created us to be. And there's a partnership in that spiritual growth. This is what I want you to see. The Apostle Paul, he writes this in this letter to people living in Philippi, and he says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. 
Your salvation being saved from your old life and born into this new way of living. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then he says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Okay, on the one hand, Paul says, we have a part to play. I want you to work hard at this this new way of living life. And at the same time, our new birth identity, right? He says, work hard to live that out. And then on the other hand, he says, God is working in you. Okay, Paul, so which is it? I'm to work hard or God is working in me? And the answer is yes, exactly. It's the same thing with our kids. It's the same thing with uh, your kids when they're born. And there are certain things that are inherent that are taking place inside of their physical bodies. But there are also certain choices that they can make that uh, either work with or against that, right? There's, there's genetic code and DNA that is naturally a part of that that is working on the inside of their physical body. And then there are also choices that they make about diet and exercise that determine their health as well. It isn't one or the other. It is both and. In fact, not that's every human being, right? And in the same way, God's Spirit comes into our lives and He begins this transforming work on the inside of us, helping us to become more like Jesus. But there is a partnership there where we can make choices as well in the way that we live our lives to bring our lives into alignment with the work that God has already begun in us. So that's what Paul says. There is this partnership. He says, work hard to live out that new identity because God is already working in you and it's both and. So we need to understand that. Secondly, spiritual growth is a process. Man, it is a lifelong process. One of my favorite uh, sort of quotes is from a guy named uh, Eugene Peterson, who is uh, no longer uh, alive here on earth, but uh, was a pastor for many years. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from him is that following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. See, following Jesus is a process. You, you don't, you don't, it doesn't happen instantly. See, God forgives you instantly, but God changes us over the course of our lives. Nobody matures overnight. God uses time and trials and life experiences and relationships to develop us to become more and more like Jesus. Think about growth, again, simply in human terms. Initially, as newborns, we're not really good at anything, right? We're just like a sprinkler with fluids coming out everywhere. (laughs) It's a mess. And we can't do anything on our own. We're completely dependent on someone else. But eventually, what happens? We start to crawl. And then we start to learn how to stand and we kind of wobble around on our legs like we're intoxicated and eventually we are able to take steps and then eventually we're able to run. And it's amazing the progress, but it is a process, isn't it? And let's be honest, I, I wish it wasn't a process. I wish that I would, you know, say yes to following Jesus and I would become uh, a Jesus junior overnight. The guy would just go, bloop, that'd be great, right? The, the Jesus fairy would just go, oh, There you go, Jesus Jr., Jesus Jr., Jesus Jr. But it doesn't work that way. And sometimes people say, well, I I just feel like Christians are just hypocrites because they they profess to believe one thing, but then they behave another way. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That's my only response is we wish we weren't, but sometimes we are because it's a process. And I want to have the faith to believe that God will always provide in every situation. But if I'm honest, I still struggle with generosity because it fights against my self-preservation. I, I want to have faith to believe God's working behind the scenes on my behalf, but sometimes I still struggle with anxiety. I want to be an incredible dad who always has energy to always spend quality time with my kids and throw the ball around and build forts and have quality conversations and, and build memories, but sometimes I'm too tired or too busy. 
I want to be like Jesus and how I forgive others who have hurt me, but uh, too often I hold a grudge much longer than I should. And, and it's tempting to get frustrated with my seeming lack of progress. But that's the point. It is a process. It is a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. In fact, here, here's what the scriptures teach. Paul, again, teaches us this in the scriptures. He says, and so we are being transformed. We're being changed. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Now, that's not an excuse for behavior. That's not an excuse not to work. This is exactly the partnership that the Apostle Paul writes about. God's working in you, so you work with the work that God is doing. That's the partnership. But also, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So it's not an excuse for behavior, but I do want us to have a realistic view of what it looks like to start to follow Jesus with our lives. It's a process. And the good news is, Paul also writes this in the scriptures. He says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. See, he, he says, he reminds us, this is a lifelong process. And on that day when Jesus comes back, that process will actually reach its conclusion. That you will become fully and finally everything that God has created you to be. That transformation process that he began inside of us will come to its conclusion. It will, it will, it, we will be made complete. And until that day, we continue to push in that direction. So it's a partnership, and it's a process. And then number three, spiritual growth is always personal. It's personal. It doesn't change who the person God created you to be. And so think about this. That even though I love my kids equally, I treat them differently. I, I, I treat my uh, almost 19-year-old different than I treat my 7-year-old. I treat them differently. Like I let one of them drive. And I'll give you a hint. It's not the 7-year-old most days. And even though they share the same set of parents, they look different. And even though they grew up in the same house, they behave differently. It's amazing, right? And my oldest daughter, uh, Kaylee, is just an awesome young woman. Uh, she loves photography, and uh, she loves poetry and reading and stories. And that's generally how we relate through conversation and movies and stories and poetry and books. And then uh, my daughter, Chloe, loves shopping and music and hanging with friends. And unfortunately, she's come to love country music, which I see as a personal parenting fail, but... Because of her, I now have a country music playlist in my Spotify. That is a sad confession for me to make to you this morning, but uh, it is true. And uh, that's where we're at. And so we relate through music. And my son Layton loves music and YouTube and uh, recently dropped his first EP on Spotify. So amazing. Just taught himself how to do this. And uh, we also constantly scare each other and prank each other. We relate mostly to scaring each other. Last night, uh, he scared me twice, and then I scared him back right before bed. And he said, one day, I'm going to be in the back of the car, and I'm going to scare you while you're driving. And I go, dude, don't do that. We will die. And he goes, we'll go out together. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and we relate through uh, hanging out and playing games. My son Liam just loves to play all the time, every day, the same question. Dad, you want to play a game? Dad, you want to play a game? You want to play a game? Dad, you want to play a game? just loves to play, 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 play. In fact, uh, and so we love playing games together. Last night we were playing chess. And again, man, I'm just, let me just pour out my heart here. Uh, he beat me at chess last night, my seven-year-old. Unbelievable. First time that he's ever beat me. And uh, I was like, dude, I, I think I'm in checkmate. And he's like, really? 
I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think you just won. And he was so excited. And, uh, but here's what's amazing. I love them all equally, but I treat them differently. And the same thing is true with spiritual growth. I mean, imagine if one of my kids came to one of my other kids and said, hey, listen, the way that you relate to dad is through games. And somebody else said, no, 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 the way that you relate to dad is through music. See, there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. When it's relationship, it's different with each person. And when you don't understand that God deals with us personally as individuals, then the temptation is to turn spiritual growth into a one-size-fits-all approach, this formula, this is how it has to be done. And one of two things happens. Either we become very, very frustrated because our spiritual growth doesn't seem to measure up to what we have seen modeled in someone else, Or we actually develop spiritual pride because somebody else's spiritual growth doesn't look like ours. And both of those things are really unhealthy. I had a friend once tell me about a uh, silence and solitude retreat that they went on. They just loved it. They're like, we went away to this campsite, this uh, retreat center, and we all separated from each other, and we never talked for three days. We just sat and journaled. And it's just like, I feel so much closer to God. And I was like, wow, good for you. That would not make me feel closer to God. That would make me crazy. I would go insane if I tried that. I am uh, an extrovert. Some of you are introverts. I'm energized by people. Some of you are energized by solitude. There's different approaches, but it's not a one-size-fits-all approach to how we relate to God. I've been in church services before where the, the style is just really, really big, celebratory over the top, and everybody is just jumping up and down, and it's, it's like, ah. And people are just like dancing and clapping and waving their hands. And it's just like energy, energy, energy. And I'm going, that's over the top. And then people come here and they'd see me and and I'm singing and I got a hand in my pocket. And they go, well, he just doesn't have the joy of the Lord. And what happens is we have this human temptation. It's our tendency to judge somebody else in the way how they're relating to God. Because it doesn't look like what we do. And yet, here's what the Apostle Paul writes. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. It's personal. It's going to look different for you. In fact, when we talk about these vital signs, there's different ways to do these things that we talk about. If I don't relate in the exact same way with my own kids, why would I expect God to relate to me in the exact same way that he does with everyone else? This is not a formula. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's extremely personal. And so... uh, as we think about this partnership with God, what are these spiritual vital signs? What are, what are these things that we can look at that show us that we're moving towards health in our spiritual life? It turns out in the book of Acts, the author actually talks about four defining characteristics. These are some things that demonstrated spiritual health, spiritual vitality in the early church for followers of Jesus, something like heart rate and blood pressure does for our physical bodies today. And this passage became kind of this classic expression of some of the spiritual vital signs of the early church. And here's what it says about them. It's just one verse. It's in Acts chapter 2. And the early church has just kind of exploded. Lots of people have come to Jesus in one day and put their faith in him in one day. And then the author is sort of describing the subsequent uh, weeks and months after this event. And here's what he writes. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, a couple of these are very sort of vertically oriented, and a couple of these are really horizontally oriented. 
And these are not listed in any specific order as if they build on each other. They're just, here's four sort of characteristics. And so uh, we're going to kind of tackle these together. And we also notice that the author says they're devoted to these things. Some of you took piano lessons when you were a kid, and you can still play chopsticks on the piano because you were not devoted to playing piano. You dabbled. And when you dabble in playing piano, then guess what? You can still play chopsticks when you're 40. But when you're devoted to it, then you can actually play the piano and play songs and read music and do all kinds of things. The early church didn't just dabble in these things. The author tells us that uh, the early church was devoted to these things. They were convinced. They were convinced that now, through Jesus, through his teaching, his way of life, his presence with them, they could actually live the way of Jesus. They could live in the character and the power of God on a daily basis. And so they made this way of life, they made this way of Jesus their primary priority, their ultimate objective. They devoted themselves to these things. And here's the first one, application of Scripture. Application of Scripture. Now, I say application of Scripture and not just reading Scripture because for me, uh, I, gr- I grew up in a house, in a, in a, my parents were followers of Jesus, and I kind of felt like this was something that I should just sort of check off. And so I would read the Bible and be, try to get through as much of it as I could. In fact, I remember being on a one-year Bible reading plan. And it would be like, if you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, then you can read the whole Bible in a year. And I'm like, done. Let's go. And I started it in January. And I was like, Genesis 1 through 3, first day, got it. Genesis 4 through 6, second day, got it. Third day, had something else going on. Fourth day, I'm like, oh, now i got to read six chapters to catch up. Okay, this is getting pretty intense. And by the time I got to like day five, day six, day seven, I was so far behind. I'm like, I'm going to have to read the book of Leviticus in one morning. And that felt awful. So then I just gave up. And the truth is, when you approach this as kind of a checklist to kind of, you know, check this box so that I feel like I'm good, it doesn't work. It's not just about reading the scriptures. It's about what can I take away from this to apply to my life? Because if, if it's not something that I can actually put into practice, you know, and we, we've said this so many times around here, if it's not something that, if you can't use it on Monday, we shouldn't say it on Sunday. It's about taking something that starts as information and then going, how can I actually apply that to my life? And when we're told that the early followers devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that teaching has come to us through the scriptures. All of the books of the New Testament can be traced back to the teachings of an apostle and their community. And what the apostles taught more than anything else was the way of Jesus. They were gripped by that. That's what they had to teach about. They were obsessed by the unmatched wisdom and the teaching of the way that Jesus lived and what he taught. They were obsessed with the world-shattering reality of his death and his resurrection on the cross to give us power over life to give us power over death, to give us power over our sins. And, and they were devoted to this man's life and teaching, not because they thought God's going to give them a gold star at the end of the week or for, you know, not because it was an obligation, not because uh, they didn't want to get in trouble or feel guilty, not because of any of those things. It was because they had discovered in Jesus a way of living who offered confidence for life and hope beyond death like nothing else in the universe. So here's a question for you to consider as you move into 2022. For those of us courageous enough to do our own health assessment on our spiritual vital signs, am I consistently discovering God's way through the scriptures and applying it in my life? Am I taking the time to somehow put myself in an environment 
where I can learn what God's saying, learn what God is speaking through the scriptures, learn the story of Jesus, learn how to apply that in my life, and then am I taking steps to actually put that into practice? That's just a, a, a natural, vital sign of somebody who is growing in their walk with Jesus, somebody who has spiritual health. See, God has already revealed a huge amount about himself and his way of living life through the scriptures. But I wonder how often we take the initiative to truly discover what God has already revealed about himself. Now, I get the hesitation. I totally do, because when you think about it, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, man, up until a year ago, I was reading the King James Version of the Bible, which was actually uh, something that King James in the uh, 1600s uh, had done. And so if you uh, lived in England in the 1600s, it's a perfect fit for you. The problem is uh, it doesn't really read very well. There's a lot of, you know, hitherto's and wherefore arts. And uh, we don't really speak that way anymore. And so I get the hesitation because you go, I don't even know where to begin. But there are so many good resources. In fact, this week, uh, check your weekly update. We'll put out some resources this week, the, uh, things that you can do. There's things on Spotify. There's, things, uh, there's podcasts you can listen to, The Bible Project. There's the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, we have free Bibles here in a language that is called English and not Shakespeare. And so if you're like, man, I don't even have a Bible that I can read, we have free Bibles at our Next Steps area. You can grab one. It's in the New Living Translation. And something that was actually put into today's language from the original texts. And there's all kinds of options. But don't let that be a, a barrier to you actually discovering who God is and, and applying that in your life. In fact, this isn't on your outline, but Paul actually writes this. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So it's a, it's a necessary part of following Jesus is that we discover who he is. Now, some of you are readers, and you'll want to read some of it and learn to apply it. Some of you are like, oh, I hate reading. And there's audio options. So again, it doesn't mean you have to sit down and read the Bible for an hour every day. But God has revealed so much about himself through the scriptures. And oftentimes, we just don't put ourselves in environments where we can discover it. That happens intentionally. So you're here today for a reason. You could be doing a thousand other things. Some of you are watching online for a reason. You, you could be home sleeping right now. Some of you are sleeping right now. That's okay. But you, you intentionally got up and came here to open up your heart to what the scriptures actually reveal. Some of you are watching online because you're opening your heart to say, I want to hear a message about the scriptures and begin to apply it to my life. That's important. If you're going to have a relationship with your heavenly father that's characterized by love and trust, you have to know who it is you're dealing with. And the only way to do that is discover what God has revealed about himself. And the scriptures is the primary way that we can do that. So application of Scripture, not just reading of Scripture, but that I figure out a way to put myself in environments where I'm exposed to the Scriptures and then figuring out how to apply that in my day-to-day -day life. Now, here's the second vital sign. Consistency in prayer. Consistency in prayer. Again, this is not a formula. This is an invitation into relationship with your Heavenly Father. And so there's no mystery to the idea that for a relationship to take shape, there has to be some conversation. And God has already spoken to us through the Scriptures how often, I wonder, do we actually talk to God? How often do we speak to him? And, and again, I'll be honest with you, growing up, the way that I grew up, this was another checklist item for me. And in the past, I thought, all right, if I'm going to connect with God, then it uh, has to be early in the morning, right? Because that's when God is awake, clearly. And uh, how many of you, real quick, poll, would say, 
I'm an early morning person. Okay, some of you are early morning people. Uh, if you're watching online, put an exclamation point in the chat if you're an early morning person. You'd, how many of you would say you're perky in the morning? You just wake up singing. Okay, yeah, yeah, the rest of us are like, uh, we're avoiding you guys. Okay. You wake up early, right, and you get up early in the morning, but like by 9 p.m. you're hallucinating, you're so tired because you woke up and like milked a cow at 4 a.m. or whatever. That's fine. Uh, how many of you are non-morning people? Yeah, night owls. You might have to get up, but you don't enjoy it. How many of you non-morning people have ever felt guilty because you weren't a morning person? That's me. I've, always, I've felt guilty. Like, like, I can't do it midnight, what they're doing at 5 a.m. Whatever. And we have this idea that early morning people are just naturally more spiritual because they're up and they're praying and they're journaling, right? And they're like jogging and vacuuming at the same time. Just go-getters. And I got this idea if I was going to grow spiritually, I had to get up early in the morning and like God had tea and bagels waiting for me or something, you know, and like I missed our appointment. And I can't tell you how many like journals that I had, especially like when I was a teenager and young adult, that have one page filled in them and the rest is just sits empty. Because I'm like, I'd go, to, I'd go to some conference somewhere, and they're like, man, if you want to grow, it's just it's great to journal. And I'd be like, yeah, I should journal. And then I would journal one day, and then I would lose it, and I just didn't care. I'm not a journaler. And that's okay. Because, again, it's personal, right? God relates to every person differently. And I don't know where we get this idea that God's going to be so frustrated if we don't, like, carve out seven hours to spend with him on a Saturday. And we think, you know, we got to start, if, if we start the day off saying, good morning, God, like, that's not spiritual enough. And so we, we have this idea that we can only have this good connection with God if, if I take a weekend at a vacation cabin and I'm sitting out on a porch, right, and with a swing overlooking a large lawn and the deer and the mockingbirds are frolicking. And I've got a, a Bible and I've got a perfectly brewed cup of coffee and note cards for Bible verses and three different colored highlighters and the Lord himself peeks out from the shrubberies. Hello. <laughs> it's like we, we make prayer this huge thing. But instead, what if we just begin to enjoy an ongoing connection with God throughout the day? What, what if we begin to see God in places where previously he's always been there but we just weren't aware so oftentimes I hear Christians pray this prayer like, God, please be with me. And God's like, I am. I've always been with you. I think a much better prayer is, God, please open my eyes to be more aware of how much you're with me. I think it's a much more honest prayer. Allow God's Holy Spirit to make you aware of his presence throughout your day and throughout your life. Paul says, pray without ceasing, which really just means I'm continuing to align my heart and my desires to God's. That's a necessary part. It's a spiritual vital sign. So maybe it's pray for 30 seconds before you turn on your computer at work. Maybe before you turn on your phone in the morning, you just, you take a few minutes and you just say, God, make me aware of your presence today. Open my eyes to your activity in my life. Turn off the radio during your commute. And instead, uh, you know, just say, God, speak to me. Or, or God, just, I want to take a few minutes and align my heart and my desires with yours. I read about a pastor who, uh, before, when he gets out of bed in the morning, the first thing that he does is he gets out of his bed and he, he drops to his knees. The knee, his knees are the first thing to hit the floor when he slides out of bed in the morning, just as a physical reminder to take a moment and pause and ask God's presence to be with him, to be, to be aware of God's presence. Maybe it's just saying thank you at every meal, taking a minute. And, and instead of going through that as a kind of just a ritual, saying, God, I just want to pause and I want to take a moment and express my gratitude to you. 
See, prayer is not a formula that if you recite it the right way, you're able to get God to do what you want from God. That's much more like vending machine God, right? Insert prayer, receive blessing, all right? A few, several years ago, all the rage uh, was Pokemon Go. Everybody remembers the Pokemon Go, right? And it was like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, people were walking all over the place with their phones, and you're just like, what are you doing? And you're just, they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for Pokemon. And you're like, okay. And it's funny because uh, actually Westbridge, you know, you don't, you don't really choose it. They just, the Pokemon show up everywhere. And Pokemon uh, Go, Westbridge Church was a Pokemon Go stop. And so we had people like driving into our parking lot, like searching for Pokemon. And it was just, it was just like the weirdest thing. And, uh, but w- what is that? Well, you can only see it through this lens and all of a sudden it would show up on your phone and then you could capture the Pokemon. And it's what they call augmented reality. Like there's certain things that you can see only through that lens. And it's interesting because really that's what prayer does is it makes us even more aware when we, when we, when we are spending time talking to God. It, it's like we can see God in places where other people can't. It's like we become more aware of his presence. It's augmented reality. And so the goal of prayer, it's much less about getting God to do what we want him to do. And it's much more about God helping us do what he wants us to do. It's a lot about syncing our hearts and our desires up with his so that we live and love like he does. And so prayer is just about saying, God, not so much help me, bless me, protect me, but God, give me the strength to fight selfishness. Give me the, give me the courage to forgive someone that I don't want to forgive. God, give me the ability to be more generous. God, give me the wisdom to handle this situation in a way that reflects your kingdom. Those are prayers that align your heart with God's. It's not a formula. But it is a sign of spiritual health and vitality when we continue to become more aware of God's presence. Number three, engagement in community. It's pretty obvious when you read about the early church that as God's spirit was doing the work in them, he was also working through them to make a difference in the lives of others. And it's obvious that they operated not simply as individuals, but that they operated as a group of people helping one another move forward to become more like Jesus. And this is why we do groups. This is it. This is why we do that, because you cannot serve Jesus, follow Jesus, grow in your faith in isolation. It just doesn't happen because it provides you, groups provide you with an opportunity to engage in authentic community with people who are moving in the same direction you are spiritually. You're you're, you're growing together. And we see it in the early church that they were devoted to this idea of community. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to being in one another's lives in a way that would help them continue to live out the way of Jesus and become like Jesus. And let's be honest, that can get really messy because everybody's at different points in their walk with Jesus. Everybody's, uh, some people are brand new to it, and some people have been following Jesus for years, and uh, everybody's got different things that they bring with them. And the alternative, though, to authentic community, the alternative to just saying, here's all my stuff and let's grow together, is fake community, sort of pseudo halfway community, and come in once a week and sort of put on a, you know, happy church face and pretend like we weren't just yelling at each other in the minivan on the way here and... And it's this community that is completely detached from our real lives, a community where it's not safe to deal with what's really going on, and we fake some spiritual high that we're not actually having. And honestly, when you have to put on a mask to go to church, when you have to put on a facade to go to church, it's only a matter of time before the facade slips. And when it does, then you'll leave. Because 
anywhere that you have to fake it is not somewhere that you can stick around very long. And you don't want to be a part of a church like that, and I don't want to lead one. And so that's what we've said from day one for the last 15 years. One of the things that we do is we keep the shame level low so that you can be your true, authentic self, not as an excuse to just live however you want to, but you, you need a starting point. You have to be able to be who you are because then together we help each other grow to become everything God's created us to be. But that happens in community. That happens with each other as we push and pull and prod and challenge and and instill courage in one another to continue to take that next step, to move forward from where we're at. No matter how messy it got, the early church was devoted to this. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to community. And even when it got messy, they showed up in each other's lives. So let's keep doing that and meeting the messiness of this life with the overflowing grace of Jesus. And here's why. All of us face what we call need-to-know and need-to-grow moments. Here's what a need-to-know moment is. I've bumped into a situation, and I need information. I need to know how to handle this situation in a way that reflects Jesus and his kingdom. And I don't know what the right thing to do is. That's a need-to-know moment. And when you're in a group of people and you have a relationship with people who know the true, authentic you, then you have an avenue to go and get that information. That's a need-to-know moment, and we all hit those. We also all hit need-to-grow moments. A need-to-grow moment is this. I don't need information. I know exactly what I need to do, but I don't want to do it. There's some part of me that needs to grow in order to get past this. And so what I need is not more information. I need some people to go, man, you know the right thing to do. We're with you. We're standing with you. And we all hit from time to time, seasons of our life, need to know moments and need to grow moments. And when you're in community, it is that group of people that helps move you one more step as you continue to follow Jesus. That's why groups are so important. Finally, number four, a commitment to gathering. You say, well, isn't that groups? It's a little different. See, when they talked about sharing the Lord's Supper, it's referenced in a couple of different ways. They, they said they, sh- they, were, they were devoted to sharing their meals together and the Lord's Supper. Now, that meant that not only were they sharing meals as a way to practice hospitality, but when they specifically referenced the Lord's Supper, in fact, in Acts chapter 20, it says that uh, on the first day of the, of the week, when they gathered together for the Lord's Supper, And what they're referencing is this is something that takes place in the synagogue with the larger group of believers that they come together, they remember the Lord's Supper, they worship together, there's teaching from the scriptures. There was this understanding that the Lord's Supper is sort of synonymous with a gathering together of the larger church and followers of Jesus have been gathering in that way ever since. Now I want you to hear this clearly. Because I absolutely love, I love the fact that we can use technology to reach people that we may not have had the opportunity to reach before. And I love that there are people watching right now from other states. There are people who uh, join us online from other states who can't physically be here with us. And from other communities and uh, other parts of the world. And in the history of humanity, we have never experienced the type of worldwide distribution of the message of Jesus that we experience because of technology today. I love the online option when you can't physically be here with us. I love that. I think it's fantastic. I'm concerned that that technology can be a double-edged sword because I don't ever want us to forget what happens when we gather. There's something that happens, even beyond our small group, when we gather together as the church, there are certain things that can only happen when we set aside time to gather collectively as the larger body of Christ. And there's something about showing up with the rest of the body of Christ 
with different people from different walks of life who are all doing their best to follow Jesus, with all of our flaws and all of our imperfections, there's something that happens and it forces us to give and receive grace in ways that we cannot otherwise. We worship together and we're reminded of the vastness of God. We're reminded of how big God is. We're reminded that the world does not revolve around us. We gather together, we're reminded that we are what just one small grain of sand on the whole seashore of followers of Jesus throughout history. We gather together and we're reminded that the church doesn't actually exist to serve me, but that we are the church and we exist to serve the world. And we gather together and every single weekend, guests walk through our doors for the first time looking for hope. And they find that when they encounter the body of Christ with all of its various parts. And we are in a position to be the hands and feet of Jesus and serve them through our various serving teams. Kids encounter the love of Jesus through their leaders in tangible ways. And they see their parents engaging in a culture that is others-centered. All of those things matter. Now, please don't misunderstand me, especially those of you watching online right now. I love that option. We're, we're never taking that away. I, like, I love that option. I think it's a fantastic option. I love that we have the technology. I just never want us to get to the point as followers of Jesus where we think that the participation in the body of Christ is simply consuming content from a screen. Because where that leads us unintentionally is towards a, a, an inward-focused mentality. And everything about Jesus was that we work together to be a light in our community and to make a difference in the world. And it's the gathering together of flawed individuals who collectively do something to be a light in our community that none of us can do on our own. And so there was this commitment to gathering, to gathering together. Now, bottom line is this, spiritual growth, spiritual health is about becoming more like Jesus. That's really what it's all about. At the end of the day, none of these things are, a, okay, if I check this box, I'm good. It's about saying, what are the things that ultimately help me become more like Jesus? The goal of these things is not to be a checklist to get done, but rather that we would thoughtfully assess these things because these are the simple practices or the vital signs that lead us towards spiritual health and spiritual vitality. And when we put these things into practice our faith in God grows, and we make a difference in the world. Our love for others grows. Our lives begin to look more and more like Jesus, and that's the goal. So for those of you who have the courage to do it in 2022, simple assessment. Am, am I applying the scriptures? Am I putting myself in environments where I can discover and apply the scriptures in my life, the way of Jesus? Secondly, am I consistent in prayer? Just on a regular basis, not as some formula, but just am I talking to God? Am I becoming more aware of his activity and presence in my life? Am I sinking my heart up with the way that he wants me to live? Third, am I engaging in community? On some level, on an authentic way, because as the church grows numerically, that's why we do small groups so that you have somewhere that you can interact with somebody eyeball to eyeball who knows you, knows your story, and can help you move forward. And fourth, am I committed to this gathering of the larger church where we can do something collectively that none of us can do on our own. And as you sort of assess those things, am I becoming more like Jesus as a result? And if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you need to know it's not an invitation to just do more. It's not the goal. It's an invitation to connection with the one who created you and loves you. In fact, we, we celebrate at Christmas that God sent Jesus into the world. We celebrate at Easter the fact that Jesus 
actually was put to death. His body was laid in a tomb, and according to multiple eyewitnesses, he rose from the dead. But every day, we celebrate the invitation and all that that means, that we have been invited to be a part of God's family. And you don't behave your way or earn your way into that. God accepts us as is. We are born into God's family, and then from there, he helps us grow to become everything he's created us to be. And if you've never said yes to the invitation to be a part of God's family, you can do that by just agreeing with this prayer as we close. God, please forgive my sins and forgive me for the times that I've walked away from you, and I thank you that you've never walked away from me. And so I pray, adopt me into your family. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. Help me to be born spiritually, to start my spiritual life with you. And help me to put my trust in you, to follow you as best as I know how. That you're doing the work in me and that I partner with you as I live that out in my life. And God, I pray for every one of us that are doing our best to follow you. May we recognize it's a partnership, it's a process, it's, it's personal, it's uh, something that you're, you're doing the work in us and then we partner with you. And as we do that, may we become more and more like Jesus. May this church and our lives be a light in our community. We pray this in your name. Amen.